Good morning. Unthinkable loss. News stories of sacrifice from the 4th of July parade shooting in Illinois. The parents who died protecting their young son and the survivors who are forever changed. Has it hit you? What if you were on the other side of that bench with him? Like how close you guys were? I don't want to think about that. While investigators share new details on the suspect, his disguise, and how they say he slipped away. He blended right in with everybody else. And the past run-ins with police. We are live on the ground there in Illinois. Plus, the investigation widens new subpoenas for some of President Trump's inner circle, including Rudy Giuliani and Senator Lindsey Graham, as a grand jury investigates whether the former president tried to interfere with election results in Georgia. This, as the January 6th committee announces when it will resume its own investigation into the storming of the Capitol. We are live in D.C. Hiding in plain sight, a first look at how police say a yoga teacher accused of murdering a romantic rival tried to change her appearance. And the new evidence they say that links her to the crime scene. Stage scare, legendary musician Carlos Santana collapses in the middle of a concert overnight. The star later seen waving to the crowd as he's taken off. What happened and how he is doing. All that plus space invaders. The head of NASA expressing concern that China's military could try to take control of the moon. Launching new tensions between the countries. So is the next space race officially on? And a hero's welcome, the moving moments at the White House, where a group of Vietnam veterans received the nation's highest honor. Inside their amazing stories and the touching tribute today, Wednesday, July 6th, 2022. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Oda Cutby, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Well, good morning. We're so happy that you're with us on this Wednesday morning. Savannah is off. Craig Melvin joins me here at the desk. And it has been nearly 48 hours after the horrific July 4th attack in Highland Park, Illinois. Just a short time ago, the White House lowered the flag to half-staff to honor the victims of that tragedy. And now the 21-year-old shooting suspect has been charged with seven counts of first-degree murder. Those in attendance applauding those charges as they were announced last night, and the state's attorney making it clear more charges will be coming. Meantime, we are learning a lot more this morning about the now seven lives lost. Last night, NBC's Lester Holt spoke with Cassie Goldstein. She's the daughter of Katie Goldstein, who was shot and killed while watching the parade. Here is how she described what happened and how she remembers her mom. I told her that it was a shooter and that she had to run. So I started running with her and we were next to each other and he shot her in the chest and she fell down and I knew she was dead. She was just a good mom. I got to have 22 years with the best mom in the world. We've got it all covered this morning. We're going to start with uh, Tom Yamas, who's there at the scene in Highland Park. Such emotional, uh, emotional words this morning, Tom. 
Hey, Hoda, good morning to you. That's right, seven families now dealing with that type of loss. And as you're about to hear, those that survive dealing with their own type of pain. This as we're learning about some alarming incidents and disturbing behavior by the alleged shooter in recent years, leading to the question, why was this young man who had made violent threats in the past able to legally purchase so many weapons? This morning, the lone gunman who police say unleashed a rooftop ambush on this July 4th holiday parade is facing seven counts of first-degree murder with more charges likely to come. Police also revealing that they had visited the home of the suspect twice before, but he was still able to legally purchase weapons afterwards. His firearm application sponsored by his father. Overnight, I spoke with the attorney now representing the alleged shooter's parents. People are upset with the alleged shooter's parents. They're telling me, how did they not know something like this wasn't gonna happen? You know, it's easy to say now, well, the parents should have known, but the fact is that, that nobody knew, nobody saw anything because there was nothing to see. Now in custody, the 21-year-old suspect, Robert Cremo, is talking to investigators, though they have yet to determine a motive. Authorities say he arrived at the Independence Day celebration dressed as a woman to help hide his facial and neck tattoos and aid in his escape. He blended right in with everybody else. Seven are now dead and at least 38 injured. Investigators say his attack was several weeks in the making. In the hours after the shooting, the ATF says they successfully traced the high-powered rifle used in the crime and left at the scene back to the suspect who had legally purchased the weapon. Once on the run, authorities say the alleged shooter borrowed his mother's car, initially driving to Wisconsin. NBC News learning he left his cell phone in that state before driving back to Illinois. A tipster recognized him, alerting police who pulled him over and took him into custody. This woman who grew up with the alleged gunman describes him as a loner. I think that he was always an outsider and maybe he wanted to let the world know that that he didn't belong. Witnesses to Monday's massacre still have trouble grasping what they survived. I can see the shooter on the rooftop. David Salek was at the parade with his wife and eight-year-old son. When the shots rang out, Salek grabbed his loved ones and shoved them behind a metal park bench. Just steps away, a small child and an elderly man, both of them hit. Has it hit you, what if you were on the other side of that bench with him? Like how close you guys were? <sighs> I don't want to think about that. I don't want. I don't want to think about that. And that father telling me his son has not spoken to him about the shooting since, but did tell him he didn't want to go to any more parades. I also want to mention overnight Vice President Kamala Harris visited this site just behind me. She met with first responders and told residents that she's praying for Highland Park. Hoda. And then, Tom, I think there are a lot of questions about his past, the criminal's past with the police, the run-ins yeah. with law enforcement. What more do we know about that? Yeah, we learned about some troubling incidents. Highland Park police say they actually spoke to him, the alleged shooter, twice in 2019. Once after a reported suicide attempt, and again months later, when a family member reported he had threatened to, quote, kill everyone. At that time, police confiscated 16 knives, a dagger, and a sword. No charges were filed, and after that incident, he was still able to legally purchase five different firearms, including the one that was used here on Monday, Hoda.
All right, Tom Yamas for us there. Tom, thank you. All right, let's pick up on that thread now. And for that, we turn to Justice Correspondent Pete Williams, uh, who joins us more with, with, with what we just heard from Tom there. So, t Pete, as Tom just said, here's a guy who's able to buy those guns after being on law enforcement's radar over threats, over confiscated weapons, lots of knives. How is that even possible? Well, to buy a gun or ammunition in Illinois, you first need to get what's called a firearms ID card from the state police, and it can be denied for a variety of reasons, including if the applicant, quote, poses a clear and present danger to the community. The state police said they were notified in September 2019 when the local police went to the house in response to the threat. They removed the knives and all that, but they say no arrests were made and no one in the family was willing to make a complaint that would have started any kind of legal process. So the state police say that ended the matter for them at the time. They say Cremo applied for a firearms card three months later. And because he was only 19, he needed a parent's approval. The state police say his father sponsored the application so that there was no reason to think that Cremo was a danger at that time. So that's how he got the ID card that he needed to start buying guns, and he passed background checks when he did buy guns in 2020 and 2021. Couple, a couple more questions, Pete. You did talk about how the father signed off on the gun. Is there any way that the father could face any charges? Charges, criminal charges, that's a matter of Illinois state law, and I'm not an expert on that, but I suppose he could face civil lawsuits. All right, let, let's talk about all those violent videos that were online. Uh, a lot of people have seen them since. Were, were police officers aware of those videos? Well, the Lake County Sheriff's Office says no, that the police didn't know about those videos, the ones in which Cremo appears to show an obsession with violence and mass shootings. And even though he posted those videos online and hundreds, if not thousands, of people saw them, the police say nobody ever reported it to them, and there's no mechanism for the police or the FBI to check somebody's social media in the background checks that are conducted when somebody goes to a gun store to buy a firearm. Investigators say he bought two rifles and some pistols over the past two years, all of them legally, including the rifle that they say was used in Monday's shooting, Hoda. Yeah. All right. Pete Williams for us in Washington, D.C. Pete, thank you so much. We turn now uh, to the victims and how they are being remembered by their grieving community. NBC's Kathy Park is outside Highland Park Hospital, where many of the injured were treated. Hey, Kathy, good morning. Hoda, good morning to you. As you know, July 4th is a day of celebration and fun, and now seven families are making funeral arrangements. And this morning, we're learning that nine people remain hospitalized, and the majority of them are recovering from gunshot wounds. Overnight, a moment of reflection and remembrance in Highland Park as members of the close-knit community mourn the victims of Monday's mass shooting. The Highland Park community, like so many before us, is devastated. Officials identifying six of the seven lives lost, among them 88-year-old Stephen Strauss, his niece posting on Facebook, no one should die this way. Jackie Sundheim is being remembered for her kindness and warmth at the synagogue where she worked as a preschool teacher. Kevin and Arena McCarthy leave behind a two-year-old son, Aiden. Arena's father telling the Chicago Sun-Times that Kevin died protecting his son, saying he had Aiden under his body when he was shot. He also told the newspaper that the little boy was walking in the street after the shooting, his grandfather later picking him up at the police station. The community rallying around the young boy who will now grow up without his parents. 
His grandfather saying to the Sun-Times, Aiden's parents were crazy about their child. They were planning two. We spoke with Dr. Regina Royan, an ER physician who treated several victims rushed to the hospital, some who even drove themselves. And they pulled up right here to the front of the emergency department and myself and our nurses and our staff ran out to help pull these patients out of, out of the car. What can you tell me about the severity of their injuries? These wounds, you know, you could tell this, the intent was to cause as much harm in the shortest amount of time possible. Trained on Chicago's South Side, an area plagued by gun violence, Royan says a carnage she witnessed is all too familiar. You look down at yourself and you see you're still wearing, you're still wearing the evidence of this trauma. And I think I speak for, for many ER providers when I say we're, we're really tired. We're really tired of having to, uh, to deal with this on a daily basis. And to mark the life stolen on July 4th, President Biden has ordered that flags be flown at half-staff in public spaces. Meanwhile, the heartbreaking story of the McCarthy's and their now orphaned two-year-old son has touched so many lives that an online fundraiser for the family is now nearing $2 million. Uh, I looked at that GoFundMe page last night. It was a million, and this morning, two million, so it has touched so many people. Kathy Park, thank you. We go now to new developments in the grand jury investigation in Georgia, looking into whether President Trump tried to interfere with the 2020 election results there. Some of the president's closest allies now subpoenaed to testify. NBC's chief White House correspondent Peter Alexander is following this story for us. So, Peter, walk us through the latest and what this means for that criminal investigation in Georgia. Yeah, Craig, investigators in Georgia, they're zeroing in on former President Trump's inner circle now, issuing subpoenas to Senator Lindsey Graham and to key members of Mr. Trump's legal team, including Rudy Giuliani and John Eastman. You see him there on the right. He's the conservative lawyer who devised the strategy to try to overturn the 2020 elections results. This grand jury, it was impaneled in May. It'll deliver a recommendation to the Fulton County DA about potential charges. And that Georgia DA believes that there's evidence of possible state crimes with election interference. Of course, you likely remember Mr. Trump's call to Georgia's Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, to, quote, fine votes. Raffensperger says that Graham made his own calls to him to see whether he had the power to throw out certain votes, but the senator denies that that's what he was trying to do, Craig. So, Peter, meanwhile, in a, a separate but related investigation, the January 6th committee announcing a new hearing for next week. What can we expect from that? Do we know? Yeah, that's right. That next hearing set to take place next Tuesday. The January 6th committee is going to dig into connections between the former president's efforts to overturn the election and those domestic violent extremist groups, the groups like the Proud Boys, the Oath Keepers that helped orchestrate the Capitol attack. This notably is the first hearing since last week's explosive testimony from Cassidy Hutchinson, the former Trump aide, who detailed how Mr. Trump knew his supporters were armed, but still urged them to march to the Capitol and later became furious. He became irate when his Secret Service detail refused to drive him there. Craig. Our Chief White House correspondent Peter Alexander from his post there. Peter, thank you. Now to new details about that yoga teacher who sparked an international manhunt and the steps authorities say she took to evade them. Caitlin Armstrong, she's accused of killing a rising star in the cycling world over what authorities describe as a love triangle. Well, now she sits in a Texas jail facing murder charges with a radically different appearance. NBC's Sam Brock has the very latest from Austin. Hey, Sam, good morning. 
Hoda, good morning. After 43 days on the run, Caitlin Armstrong was captured in Costa Rica, transferred to Houston, and now this morning sits behind a jail cell in Austin facing murder charges. After transforming her appearance, Hoda, she literally looks like a different person. This series of photos of Caitlin Armstrong, a newly captured murder suspect, shows a stark shift in appearance before and after her arrest by authorities. On the left, Armstrong has long curly blonde hair and a smile, but a month and a half later, two booking photos reveal dyed darker locks trimmed to shoulder length and perhaps new physical attributes after police say she was apprehended with noticeable bruising. She had some type of bandage on her nose area uh, where she claimed to foreign officials that uh, you know she received an injury sustained from a recent surfboard. The 34-year-old yoga instructor, targeted by state and federal authorities since May 17th when a homicide warrant was issued. A day later, Armstrong popped up on surveillance video boarding a plane from Newark, New Jersey to Costa Rica. Almost exactly one week after Anna Mariah Wilson, a star cyclist, was uncovered by a friend inside the home she was visiting, shot in the torso. Police say Wilson and Armstrong were romantically linked to the same man, Colin Strickland, who told police he had just bought his girlfriend, Armstrong, a gun in recent weeks. Armstrong's 2012 Jeep was caught on camera right next to the home where the murder took place, according to a police affidavit. The suspect's attorneys are declining comment at this time, asking for privacy. Armstrong's attorneys are wisely giving a no comment because this is a really tough set of facts for a defense attorney to confront. There appears to be digital and even photographic evidence that doesn't look good for the client. Though Armstrong was initially questioned by police a day after the murder, she was released because of a paperwork error, according to Austin PD, paving the way for a 40-plus day-long saga now settling at this jail. And we still do not have a time or date for the first hearing for Armstrong. The legal experts say she will have to go before a judge sometime in the coming days. And right now, Armstrong is looking at a $3.5 million bond. Hold it back to you. All right, Sam Brockforce there in Austin. Sam, thank you. All right, one more thing this first half hour. We've got some wild video to show you. Check this out. The video captured during a, a storm in the Tampa Bay area. Watch that truck in the middle of your screen there. Yeah, gets hit by a lightning bolt suddenly. The truck did suffer some significant damage, as you might imagine, but thankfully, and perhaps surprisingly, everyone in that truck, absolutely fine. I mean, how That's about crazy. just randomly videoing, I guess you're sitting there and you look <laughs> right. see a lightning bolt coming right. down. It's scary. I don't believe in accidents. <laughs> uh, speaking of lightning, let's turn now, first check of the weather. NBC meteorologist Bill Karens in for Mr. Roker this morning. It looks like you've got morning, yeah. some more damage. Yeah, yeah. A scary scene outside of D.C. yesterday. We had numerous tornado warnings. This was from Bowie, Maryland. Large trees, look big oak trees. We were snapped in half. It was a confirmed tornado with that. Thankfully, no injuries, no fatalities or anything like that. And we had a bad weather scene in South Dakota yesterday. There were softballs falling out of the sky. Four-inch sized hailstones were reported. That's pretty rare. And also a 99-mile-per-hour wind gust. So today, a little bit of severe weather in Montana into the plains, but we'll really be focused Focusing our eyes later today from Indianapolis southwards down through areas of Lexington and Louisville and eventually Charlotte and Raleigh. So anywhere driving or traveling through the mid-Atlantic, some significant delays are possible. Mostly wind damage, not so much tornadoes today, maybe some small hail. And then tomorrow, unfortunately, we're kind of stuck in this summer weather pattern. If it's hot, it's going to stay hot. And if it's stormy, it's going to stay stormy. So we do it Thursday again in the mid-Atlantic and back towards our friends in Nashville and maybe even St. Louis. And I do have to comment, that lightning video was amazing, and it was the 
wife yeah. following her husband. That's was, why she was videoing. He was ahead. Here it is again. Oh. And it looks like the lightning hits right in front in of the front. truck, and he almost drives through it. I've never seen that. Yeah, Have you ever crazy. seen anything like that? Um, no, I've met lightning wow. survivors and heard crazy stories, but that's... Wow. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Bill. Uh, coming up, Tom Costello live with the new showdown in space. Yeah, the NASA administrator says China wants to control the moon and keep the U.S. out. We're going to go in-depth on that coming up. Okay, plus, back here on Earth, eggs, bread, meat, all costing more these days, as you know. But you can still save money at the grocery store. In fact, we're going to dig into some simple ways to spin less. But first, this is Today on NBC. It's Wednesday morning. It's July the 6th, 2022. You're looking at our little corner of the world right here outside of Rockefeller Plaza. Savannah's off. Craig and I are here. And Chanel. Good morning. Shining. Bringing the sunshine. I know. We said it's summer. You got to You got to show it. Thank All right, guys. We're going to get right to our 730 headlines. Uh, British Prime Minister Boris Johnson. He's clinging to power this morning following the resignation of two senior ministers. Britain's Treasury chief and health secretary stepped down within minutes of each other, both saying they have lost confidence in Johnson's leadership. And now a growing number of lawmakers are also calling for him to be removed. Some new developments this morning in the ongoing dispute over those Juul e-cigarettes. The Food and Drug Administration has temporarily lifted its order banning the company from selling its products. The administrative stay allows the agency more time to review Juul's appeal. The FDA issued that ban on June 23rd because it said the company submitted insufficient safety data. Grammy Award-winning artist Carlos Santana is recovering this morning after passing out on stage during a concert last night. Video shows medical personnel huddled around the 74-year-old guitarist. He was performing at an outdoor theater in Clarkston, Michigan. According to a statement, the singer was overcome by heat exhaustion and dehydration. He is said to be doing well this morning. In fact, on Facebook, Santana thanked fans for prayers. Tonight's concert in Burgettstown, Pennsylvania, has been postponed to a later date. Nice to see him waving okay. as he was taken yeah. off there. Uh, also this morning, guys, tensions between the United States and China after the head of NASA says he feared China could try to take over the moon. His comments come as U.S. military commanders are very concerned about Chinese activity in space. NBC's Tom Costello covers space and joins us now. And Tom, this is not the space race of the 60s and definitely not the 70s. No, it's not. And this morning, NASA says the Chinese space program is run by its military, while NASA runs a peaceful international civilian program. But make no mistake, the U.S. and China are very much in a 21st century race to the moon. Now in the final preps for a test flight around the moon, NASA's new Artemis rocket will one day carry astronauts back to the lunar surface for the first time since the space race with the Soviets more than 50 years ago. But today there's a new space race. China has already put astronauts on its own orbiting space station and landed robotic rovers on the far side of the moon. Beijing's goal? To put its own astronauts on the moon by 2030. And this morning, the tension is growing. After NASA chief Bill Nelson told a German newspaper, we must be very concerned that China is landing on the moon and saying it's ours now and you stay out. 
The Chinese foreign ministry quickly accused Nelson of, quote, lying through his teeth, blasting the U.S. for militarizing space. But top U.S. military commanders accused China of deploying a satellite with an arm and a claw that can reach out and grab U.S. satellites and firing a missile that destroyed one of its own satellites, creating a massive debris field. The challenge, the U.S. can't see potential Chinese operations on the far side of the moon. Four-star General David Thompson at the Pentagon. Is it important that the United States has eyes on what the Chinese are doing on the far side of the moon? We need to understand both um, in the, the lunar space and the space between the Earth and the moon. What are they doing? Why are they doing it? Does it pose a potential threat to our interests? A new U.S. satellite called Capstone launched last week to study the space around the moon has reportedly stopped communicating with Earth. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Fifty years after Apollo 11 landed on the moon, an international treaty is still in effect, prohibiting military bases on the moon. The fear, if both sides aren't careful, a military stand-up could still develop one day on the moon as portrayed in the Apple TV series For All Mankind. Former astronaut and NASA chief, Charlie Bolden. We can't have open warfare. We can't, we've got to, we've got to discipline ourselves so that we don't make this potential warfighting domain a real warfighting domain. NASA is hoping its first crewed mission to orbit the moon will happen next year with humans landing on the moon in 2025, including a woman and a person of color and eventually building a moon base there, Hoda. All right, Tom, so you mentioned that we can't see what China is up to on the far side of the moon. Why is that? Yeah. The U.S. does not have satellites that keep an eye on activity there or in the space between the moon and Earth, an area called cislunar. So launching those satellites is now a priority for the military. All right, Tom. And we should point out, by the way, Tom recently worked on a new special with a closer look at the newest branch of the military, uh, the U.S. Space Force. It is called Battlefield Space. You can watch it on YouTube and mm. on NBCNews.com. Really interesting. That Tom never, never stopped. <laughs> we should never. also note that the, yeah. that the documentary that Tom worked yeah. on on the Space Force, it's on the actual Space Force, not Steve yeah. Carell's Space Force. Oh, my goodness. Just right. so there's no confusion. Yeah. Uh, still ahead here, a truly incredible story this morning. In fact, it's our favorite of the morning. A guy saved from drowning by his two sons and their friend. There they are right there. Straight out of Central Casting, by the way. <laughs> Wait until you hear how those three young heroes work together to rescue him. They're going to all join us live. What a beautiful family. But first, our Consumer Confidential groceries are expensive. So we have some ways to save and even cut down on your supermarket trips right after this. We are back with our ongoing Consumer Confidential series, where around this time every morning, we're going to bring you the latest way that we can all help manage our money. Yes. Now, on this morning, we're going to take a look at some ways to save at the grocery store. That's right. Skyrocketing inflation, driving food prices way up. Consequently, a lot of folks are even changing what they eat and what they buy. NBC's Erin McLaughlin joins us now with more and some tips to help folks save at the grocery. Hey, Erin. Good morning, guys. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, this year food inflation hit its highest level in 40 years. Still, we spoke to experts who say it's possible to save at the supermarket despite the price hikes. Across the country, shoppers are being confronted by sticker shock at the supermarket. 
due to price jumps for staples, including bacon, eggs, and chicken. So I am literally going to more than one store to find I just got buns somewhere else because they had a good deal. Global conditions creating a nationwide food fight, now draining consumers' pocketbooks. The Food Industry Association, or FMI, also reporting in the first quarter of this year, consumers were spending more but buying less, with many meat eaters seeking smaller portions, with 32% saying they've stopped buying chicken and more than a third saying they've totally cut beef from their shopping carts. I always get my filet mignon at Trader Joe's and it's up to like $25.99. I mean, it really jumped. According to FMI, 86% of shoppers worried about rising prices are actively trying to save money, including looking for deals, making substitutions or product changes, changing where or how they buy groceries, or buying more store or generic brands. Personal finance experts like Gina Zakaria insist even in this inflation-fueled climate, it's possible to save. I create menus that my family loves, and I save money every single month posting tips and tricks to her nearly 2 million TikTok followers. Really look at what you are buying every single week and find ways to optimize the things that you're buying. What's an example of that? I will buy three or four pounds of onions, come home, chop them all up at once in the food processor, put them in freezer bags and freeze them. Then I have onion for a month. Experts also recommend utilizing tech to help find your go-to items at the best prices, including local grocery store apps, as well as third-party platforms such as Flip. They say shop online for the most efficient price comparison and click the in-store pickup option, saving gas and time. Say I've had a long work day, I need to pick up dinner, I didn't plan ahead, I walk into a grocery store, what should I do to save money? One of the greatest proteins you can get are canned beans, you can get rotisserie chicken, and then just look for frozen veggies and you'll find that they are much less expensive. And Erin, what do the experts say about coupons? Well, while they may help in some cases, some experts suggest focusing instead on making a meal plan that includes ingredients that you already have, including what you may have forgotten about in the back of your pantry, and build your shopping list from there. That way you end up with things you actually like you know that's and a, need. That's a really good point, Erin, because sometimes you get the coupons, you end up buying things you would normally buy, because you can save 20 like cents. I can save. That's yeah. true. Erin, good advice. Yeah. Thank you, Erin. We right. call that, by the way, in my house, is called, we call it trash can pasta. Trash so can pasta. So everything we take in. everything out of the fridge and, and just and put it in there. Yeah. I like Trust that. Pasta. I like it. All right. Uh, we got 744. It's Bill's like smiling. Sounds like we have a cooking segment coming up. That's <laughs> Trash, Trash can, like. can <laughs> pasta. Trash can pasta. You don't want that. Can we tweak the name? Yeah, yeah just, just a little bit. Yeah. What's so up, Bill? So uh, Columbus, Ohio, our friends had quite a night last night. We had almost five inches of rain total in the last 24 hours. Uh, Interstate 71 at one point was closed with cars stranded. The water levels are starting to slowly recede now, but be careful driving through that area. We do have flash flood watches northern Indiana through Columbus. And even Washington, D.C. has a flash flood watch for later on today up to Baltimore. But yesterday's storms combined with this afternoon storms, we could have some problems localized flooding. So here's the timing of it. D.C., it looks like mid-afternoon to early in the evening. And then as we go through the evening, by about 8 p.m., the storms clear all the way down to the South Carolina. And unfortunately, we're going to do it again in the same area with more severe weather likely in the Carolinas as we head through your Thursday. I didn't have a lot of time, but Craig's canister pasta? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How about kitchen sink pasta? Kitchen sink uh, pasta. That's better. Yeah. That's better. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to work with the alliteration. All right, we'll put the recipe online. Right. Straight ahead in today's Can't Miss, moving moments at the White House, honoring some true American heroes right after this.
They stood in the way of danger, risked everything, literally everything, to defend our nation and our values. However, not every service member has received the full recognition they deserve. Today, we're setting the record straight. We're upgrading the awards of four soldiers who perform acts of incredible heroism during the Vietnam conflict. Wow, what a special day at the White House yesterday. President Biden awarding the nation's highest military honor to this incredibly inspirational group of Vietnam veterans. Mm -hmm. It was such a moving ceremony. He placed the Medal of Honor on each of them. He recognized their bravery, their sacrifice. Yeah. They went far and beyond the call of duty. And just to mention a couple of their names. I'm reading some of their stories. Yeah. Dwight Birdwell. Yeah. I mean, he helped He helped to drive back about 1,000 enemy troops after being wounded himself and put on a medevac helicopter. He slips out after that to continue fighting. And then, after the Vietnam conflict, serves 12 years on the Cherokee Nation Supreme Court. And how about Dennis Fuji? His chopper was shot down in the middle of a firefight, and he waved off rescue helicopters because he thought it was too dangerous for them. He stayed and tended to other wounded soldiers for two days. And then John Duffy risked his life to direct airstrikes after staying at a base overrun by the enemy, becoming the last person to evacuate and he saved one last soldier. He became a Pulitzer-nominated author. Biden called him the definition of a warrior poet. Over the, over the years, I've had the opportunity to interview yeah. a few of these Medal of yeah. Honor recipients, and, and there's a common thread. Yeah. None of them Just, consider themselves heroes. Yeah. None of them. They, wow. they, all of them say the exact same thing. They're saying, I wasn't a hero. Mm, right. I did exactly I what. did my job. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Salute wow. them for their service. Absolutely. Beautiful. All right. Well, still ahead on Popstart, cue the music. A first look at the brand new Neil Diamond musical. We'll tell you who's playing the music man. And then you'll be singing Sweet Carolina around the campfire because Vicky's going to show us how to pull off an unforgettable family adventure outside. Coming up next, your 8 o'clock hour.